Okay? It actually goes back to a load of bull. The buller that was sent by the Pope to Martin Luther. Is that interesting? Okay, right. Uh, for others, it's, it's taking on a new meaning, okay? But that's where it originated, okay? Uh, and so, the Pope was so angry, he got the Holy Roman Emperor uh, to call Martin Luther to a trial. And when we were studying this in, in, in university, uh, uh, it was a, a place, the, the council, the, uh, the examination was known as a, a diet, a congress, in a place in Germany called Worms. So we always knew that Martin Luther had to have a diet of worms. That was our way of, of remembering it. And Martin Luther was taken there and he was told, you've got to take back what you've said because the Pope and the church are saying something different. And Luther said, look, unless I'm proved wrong by the teachings of Scripture or by evident reason, I'm not going to back down. Here I stand. I can do no other. I'm going to stand on my conscience and the word of God. Well, Martin Luther was threatened with death. On his way home, he was uh, abducted to rescue him by some German knights. And they hid him in a castle and he grew a beard. And he there translated the Bible from the original Greek and Hebrew into German for the first time. And because of the printing presses, they were able to print off loads of these Bibles in German and give them to people in Germany so that they could compare what the Bible says with what the church was teaching. And it started that whole domino fall. People then said, we want Bibles in our language. So have you got a Bible in English or in Welsh? Because of the Reformation. If it wasn't for Martin Luther standing up for Jesus and for the Bible we'd still only have Bibles in Latin. Okay? And you wouldn't be allowed to have your own Bible. In those days, the only Bible was in Latin, it was only in the church, and it was usually chained to the lectern so that people couldn't take it off and read it for themselves. Only the priest was allowed to interpret it. But because Martin Luther said, look, in the Bible is the priesthood of all believers, everyone can have a Bible, Everyone can read it for themselves. They ought to have it in their own language. It's, the, it's the, the message that matters, not the language that it's written in. And this is one of the, the, the outcomes of the, uh, the Reformation. Well, because Martin Luther was under threat, some people stood up and protested against the Pope for him. And that's where the name Protestant comes from. Protesting against the way Martin Luther was treated. And you and I, if we are part of a Baptist church, we would be seen as Protestants. Because we agree largely, not entirely, but largely with the teaching that, that Martin Luther recovered and brought back into the church. Now, it is said, oh, let me tell you a few other things first. Not only uh, do you have a Bible in your own language because of the Reformation, but do you like my shirt and tie? Do you like my shirt and tie? If it wasn't for Martin Luther reforming the church, I'd have to wear a priest's uniform to come and talk to you about Jesus today. I, I joke, the only dog collar in my house is on the dog. Okay? Because it's not what you wear. And there's no difference between us. We all have equal access to God. 
So if you want to, you can come and confess your sins to me and we can talk about it and pray, but you don't have to. You can go straight to God and confess your sins if you want to. You don't have to come to the priest. Priesthood of all believers, yes? Have you enjoyed the singing tonight? Aren't you so glad it's not in Latin? Because the, the church in Martin Luther's time, they sang in Latin. Luther was a great hymn writer. Uh, perhaps in some of the, the old hymn books. We had a traditional service in our church and we sang his, his great old hymn, uh, A Safe Stronghold, Our God Is Still. Do you know that one? You sang it on that night, did you, when you had your service here? And it's lovely tonight I'm able to bring my wife to church. My wife is sitting there in the back cattling. If it wasn't for the Reformation, I wouldn't be allowed to be married. And in the Roman Catholic Church, priests still don't, do they? My sons wouldn't be born. Thank you, Father God, that Martin Luther stood up for the truth of the Bible, that Peter had a mother-in-law, so he must have had a wife. And Jesus healed her. And there's so many more things like this. Uh, and others then took the truths that Martin Luther began to bring back to the church uh, of believing what's in the Bible rather than what church traditions and these things. Uh, and the Baptists came out of these things. But it's, you know, it's also said, never meet your heroes. Have you ever heard that phrase? Because when you get too close to them, you realize that they're ordinary people just like you and me. And Martin Luther uh, had some things that were wrong with him. He was a bit Trump-like in the way he talked to people. So he fell out with the other reformers when he couldn't have his way. He'd lose his temper. And one of the things he fell out over was communion. Uh, he was half Catholic, that somehow it is still the body of Christ, even though it's just bread and not magically transformed into flesh and blood. Okay? Martin Luther also... Uh, as well as having a temper, sometimes he drank too much. And there's a story about him throwing his, uh, his, uh, his pint of beer uh, at what he thought was the devil one day when he was stressed out and had been drinking a little bit too much. Then Martin Luther was also a little bit anti-Semitic and he said some terrible things about the Jews which Hitler picked up on and used in the 1930s. Do you know these things? We don't worship Martin Luther. We worship the God that saved him and saves you and me? Yes? And Martin Luther didn't like the Baptists? Ooh! He didn't like the Baptists? Call them re-baptizers? Because uh, he still practiced infant baptism? Uh, and if uh, there were people who were Baptists, the Karlstad and others, uh, he threw them out. And to be honest, in Martin Luther's day, some of the Baptists were a bit crazy. Some of them still are. Okay, but uh, when you look back at the Reformation, I'm just giving you some of that, uh, just to give you some of the background. The Reformation recovered five key Doctrines. I'll try to cover these very quickly, okay? Five key doctrines known as the five solas. Have you heard about these? How good is your Latin? How good is your Latin? Sola Scriptura. What does that mean? Scripture 
alone. Solar is like soul. If I said there was an aeroplane crash and the sole survivor was a man named Fred, you know there was only one person who survived. Yeah? Soul. So solar is on its own. Solar scriptura. Scripture alone. Solar gratia. Grace alone. Gratitude. Being grateful for an undeserved love. Grace. Gratia. Sola fide. Faith alone. Some people used to call their dogs Fido. Credo is I believe. Fido, Fido. I have faith. Okay? Solus Christus. Christ alone. You're getting it now? And notice it is Christ, which means he's the Messiah, the Savior. Okay? And soli deo gloria. What's that mean? Glory to God alone. Let me just go through these very quickly. First of all, sola scriptura. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, uh, we've got one missing somewhere, uh, sola scriptura. In Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Our firm foundation are the words and the teachings of Jesus Christ and nothing else. Anything else is, is sand. Anything else and things come tumbling down. So we do not base what we believe upon religious traditions in the church. Though they may or may not be good. Communion is a tradition, but it's a biblical one. Yes? But we don't base our belief on any tradition that's not in the scriptures. We don't base our beliefs purely on our personal spiritual experiences. Now, I believe in in the gifts of the Spirit. I speak in tongues. Uh, I have received prophecies, visions, dreams. I believe in these things, words of God for today, but we weigh these things by Scripture. Okay, you getting it? Neither do we base what we believe on human reason. And this is part of where part of the Western church is going wrong today. Our, uh, our, Our wisdom says that these things are right. The Bible says those things are wrong. So we cannot follow the world in its culture. We have to follow the revelation that's been given by God. It was quite interesting. Back uh, at the end of October, somebody nailed uh, an announcement on some uh, um, cathedrals in England. Did you hear about this? Uh, Calling the church back to the truths of the Bible over sexual morality. Now, that's a tricky one. But for me, I believe in Sola Scriptura. I believe that what the world wants to do, it can do. Okay, but for me as a Christian, I'm going to follow the teachings of the Bible. Okay, I don't follow human reason, because human reason belongs to our fallen human nature. So we need to seek out God's revelation. Okay, so that's number one, Sola Scriptura. Number two, Sola Gratia. Uh, in Ephesians, the great chapter on grace uh, is Ephesians chapter 2, isn't it? Verses 1 to 10 particularly. In verses 4 and 5 it says, we've lost the picture for a moment, so I'll look it up in my Bible and read it to you. Oh, there you are, it's back. Because of his great love for us, 
God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Grace means the undeserved love of God to you and me. It's a gift. It's not earned. Can't be bought with money. This is what Martin Luther was arguing about in his day. It is not by human works. It is not even by religious ritual. So in, in, in the church in the Middle Ages, before the time of Luther and the, the recovering of the teachings of the Bible, uh, they talked about seven sacraments that were means of grace. That you had to go to church and receive mass. Or have the anointing with oil, or the last rites of death, or baby baptism, or uh, some of these things. And Luther cut through all of these things. They said, you're not saved by being christened. You're not saved by taking communion. You're not saved by having the priest uh, present you with forgiveness because of his position. You're not saved by penance of giving money to buy off forgiveness. We're only saved because God in his grace has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in our place. Our sins were paid for by him. They're not paid for by us. Because if we tried to pay for our sins, none of us could afford it. None of us would be good enough. None of us could make up for the bad we've done. It's all of grace, not of works. Now the church sometimes goes over into into legalism or into liberalism, but it's not about uh, taking grace for granted. uh, And it's not about trying to please God by being good. We instead have the liberty that comes from God's love. Saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to remember tonight at communion. I ask for the sheets to be taken off so we can see the bread and we can see the wine. And we have that visible symbol there, this, uh, this object lesson that reminds us of the heart of our faith. is the sacrifice of Christ. What God has done. Okay, so sola gratia, grace alone. Thirdly, sola fide. And as you go on in Ephesians 2, you come to verses 8 and 9, where Paul says again, it is by grace you have been saved. And then he says, through faith. And all of this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But there needs to be a personal response from the heart to God for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. There needs to be faith. Saving faith includes repenting for our sins, recognizing that we've done wrong and wanting to ask God's forgiveness, receiving forgiveness from Jesus through the cross, and then with the help of his spirit and the teaching of his word, reforming our lives. Go and sin no more. But there needs to be faith. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Where does salvation come from? From grace through faith, not by works. We're not saved, even being baptized by immersion in a Baptist church. Won't save you. That's a Baptist minister telling you, okay? You need to be saved before you're baptized. It's meant to be a a, a symbol of what God has already done. Washed your sin away. And you're starting to walk in a new life. 
Okay, number four, Solus Christus. Uh, and this is about as far as we've got in fourth call. This is going to be, uh, this one is we're going to look at next Sunday morning. Where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way to God is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. So it's no good having faith in any other God. In any other religion. In any other religious teacher. It's no good having faith in any man or woman or philosophy or idea. There's no other way. There's no other truth. There's no one else who can give you life. It is in Christ and Christ alone. I wish I had time. Next week we're going to talk in our church about what about those who lived before Jesus was born? What about those who even today have never heard? What about those who die when they're too young to understand? And again, let me just simply say that God in his justice and mercy will judge them, but through the grace of the cross. All comes to the cross. Okay, if anybody ever gets to heaven, whether they know it or not, it's through the cross. Wish I had time to go into this. Number five, soli Deo Gloria. To the glory of God alone. Those Latin words, SDG, musicians, used to put them at the bottom of their music, didn't they? And the classic musicians. You ever notice that? Have a, have a little look sometime. Look it up. Google it. SDG, solo, soli Deo Gloria. Everything about life, the secret and the meaning to life is this. Life's meaning and purpose is found in his glory, not in ours. The reason God created us was for his glory. We find our meaning and purpose in living for his glory. If we live for our glory or somebody else's glory, we're going to be unhappy and uncontented because we're not going to be satisfied. We're not doing what we were made to do. So Paul, when he writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 31 uh, in the, the, the context of meat offered to idols and all these things, he says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. What a challenge to us. Am I living for the glory of God? Is everything I do for the glory of God? Or is it for my glory? Or somebody else's glory? What a motivation and inspiration. Everything for the glory of God. The chief end of man is? You know this one, the saying? The chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God. Wish I had time to go into more, but I, I know that we want to have communion as well. So let me just say that these five things are life-changing, God-honoring, church-shaping truths. So I just want to share one more Latin phrase with you as we reflect on this whole idea of what happened at the Reformation, what was restored to the church, to the Christian life. And this, this, Ecclesia Semper Reformanda. Anybody do Latin in school? Anybody? Do you know what it means, Martin? The church is always reforming. Well done. I did Latin in school and they threw me out. I was useless. Ecclesia Semper Reformanda. The church needs to be always 
reforming. Comes from, it's a saying from a man called Karl Barth in the 20th century, actually. Uh, and Karl Barth's most famous statement is somebody once said to this great theologian, German theologian, a bit like Martin Luther, what's the greatest truth you've ever come across uh, in, in your, your studies? And he replied with the words of a simple old hymn. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Uh, but he came up with this, this, this more intellectual phrase as well. Ecclesia Semper Reformanda. The church needs to be continually reforming and returning to the truths of the Bible. Because the temptation in every generation is to slip away, is to drift, is to follow the culture around us, to do the things that make everybody else happy, rather than to stay true to the teaching of Jesus. And we see that happening today. So, do you believe these truths? Are you somebody who stands on Scripture alone? Are you someone who knows that you're saved only because of God's grace alone? Are you somebody who comes to God by faith alone? Are you somebody who is trusting in Christ and his work on the cross alone? Are you someone who is living, therefore, for the glory of God alone? And as a church, are you constantly coming back to these truths? Because we so easily slip. One last thing, let me sum up the Christian gospel message with uh, some very simple symbols. Perhaps you've seen these before. The first is this, the heart. God loves you. This is grace, isn't it? God loves you and has an amazing purpose and plan for your life. Make sure you don't miss it. The second symbol, the cross. We get it wrong. We make mistakes. We need to be forgiven. I used to have lots of these kisses on my maths homework when I was little. In a red pen. Do you think the teacher liked me? Oh, she's trying to point out that uh, made a mistake. Need to have another go. And then there's the third symbol is, is the T-shaped cross. That remind us there, God dealt with our sin out of his love. Out of his love. Amazing grace. So that we could be forgiven. Which leaves us with this fourth symbol. The question mark, how will you respond? Will you respond with your faith and your trust? Will you put your trust in Jesus? Or are you still thinking that you can do something to save yourself? The Bible says you can't. It's not what you do. It's simply responding to what he's done. So we often, in my church, put up a little prayer at the end of a, of a message. Uh, this is one. Dear God, thank you that you love me. Want the best for me in every situation. I'm sorry for ignoring you and doing things my way. I realize now that my sin has hurt you and the people around me. And for this I'm truly sorry. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and took the punishment for my sin. Thank you that you gave your life for me. Please forgive me and help me now as I decide to live only for you. Have you prayed a prayer like that? 
If you haven't, let me encourage you to do so. Maybe that one. Maybe one similar. The exact words aren't important. It's not about ritual. It's about the heart and a relationship with God through his son. 